When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everyone? Coming up on the KGW 3-on-3 Blazers podcast, trade deadline has come and gone. Rip City, how you feeling? And did James Harden ruin the Blazers' plan? What is up with that? And Joe Cronin blows up the roster. Can his plan work? Let's stop messing around. Start the show. So good to be back. What is good, everyone? Welcome to KGW's 3-on-3 Blazers podcast. My name is Orlando, joined as always by Jared Cowley. We are doing this thing in downtown Portland inside the KGW studios. Jared, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, uh, I'm kind of sad that the trade deadline has passed mm. because I love trade deadline week and everything that leads up to it. Um, it's, it's also kind of a relief though, because it's just rumored after rumor after rumor <laughs> and so many reports and what's going to happen. So it's a relief, but I'm also kind of sad that that, that has passed. And now all we have to look forward to is, is a bunch of tanking. Yeah, man. Lose early and lose often, except <laughs> yes. to the Lakers. Uh, <laughs> because no, my not, goodness, I'm man. Not, I'm not even going to go there. Like <laughs> I still wanted that loss. You know, even the chance to take down LeBron and the Lakers, I still wanted the L instead. I loved the dynamic that was playing out <laughs> in that game. Uh it was super exciting and I find myself more interested in this team than I have been in yeah. a very long time because of all the changes that have gone on over the past 10 days or so involving this team. We have seen something that has happened for the first time in a very long time, the roster has been shaken up. Interim general manager Joe Cronin has come in and done the unthinkable. A big change from what we're used to here in Rip City. The end of an era. Yes, absolutely. C.J. McCollum, now a member of the New Orleans Pelicans. He also traded away some key pieces. Norman Powell, Robert Covington, Tony Snell, Larry Nance Jr., this roster looks totally different right now. Jared, I want to bring you in after three deals were done leading up to the trade deadline. What is your initial reaction to what Joe Cronin has done to this roster? The teardown had to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it had to happen. It had to happen. Everybody knew that. Everybody in the world knew that except for <laughs> Neil O'Shea, who refused to do it for years and years and years. And so I think that's why it is exciting. I think that's why the team is more interesting now is because there's, there are possibilities. Mm-hmm. There's flexibility. And this roster, this team had become so stagnant and so boring. And now, you know, the team's bad. I mean, this might be the worst roster in the NBA. Right. But they're at least interesting to watch. Um there's a lot of possibilities of what can happen in the summer. And so the teardown had to happen. You can maybe gripe about the return mm-hmm. and what 
you know, Joe Cronin was able to get by trading away, you know, one of the team's best all-time players, uh, several starters. But I think I can only say this, and please believe me, there were not better offers out there. Mm-hmm. This was the best Joe Cronin to do, could do, especially when taking into consideration what his plan was. He wasn't going to take back long-term money. He wasn't going to take back much money at all that went past this season. This was all part of his plan. Other teams knew he had to get under the luxury tax, so that was an imperative that, that, that he was working with. And so there were not going to be – I mean, the Blazers could have got a first-round pick probably if they had been willing to take back a bad contract or, or money that went you know into next season or beyond. But with, the, with all the, the things that Cronin was trying to accomplish and trying to create all of that cap flexibility for this summer, he did the best he could. And I think if you look at the C.J. McCollum trade, mm-hmm. I think that was actually really good value for C.J. McCollum. I think that we had an idea in the past that someone like C.J. McCollum could turn around and get you if you added the right assets to him, you know, a James Harden or, or you know, a superstar player. And maybe several years ago that could have happened. But mm-hmm. at this point in C.J.'s career, the age, the, the contract, they weren't going to get any kind of value like that in return. And that was plainly evident because we saw – what seemed like a perfect fit in a Ben Simmons trade, but was just never, ever going to happen. Mm-hmm. That the rest of the NBA does not view C.J. McCollum the same way the Blazers did with Neil O'Shea as GM. And so I think that Joe Cronin did the very best he could, got the best return he could, and now there are possibilities. And so I think that makes it interesting. Um, is it going to work out? Who knows? I mean, Cronin said <laughs> yesterday himself, now the hard part comes, and that's very true. I disagree with him that it was easy to tear this thing down. I don't think that's easy. For one thing, it's a bold move. You have to, you know, have a plan, a bold plan, and be willing to execute it no matter what. He did that. I also think to get the level of return he did for players who were undervalued assets for whatever reason, I think that that was not as easy as as some people made it out to be or thought that it would be to get a a really, really valuable first-round pick in that Pelicans deal, Mm -hmm. to get four second-round picks to get a really, you know, I don't want to say a really good player, a good player in Josh Hart, to get some interesting young players. All of that provides assets that the Blazers can use in trades to enhance this team, you know, down the road, or interesting players that can become part of the next iteration of the Blazers. You know, Josh Hart, we'll talk about this more, but, like, Josh Hart could be a starter down the road. They have a couple guys who could be, you know, rotation, you know, players. And so I think Cronin did a good job. This had to happen. He has a bold plan. I, I am appreciative of that, and he executed it. That was step one. Mm-hmm. Now the fun part, the interesting part, the hard part comes with step two and, w- and what happens next. Yeah, I remember texting you when the first trade went down and basically you saying, wow, the value of these guys to the rest of the league. Yeah. It was surprising that the Blazers weren't able to get more from a guy like Norman Powell or Robert Covington. And if the value wasn't there for those two, what was the value going to be for C.J. McCollum? I think we learned a lot about the way other teams around the league 
see these players versus how people here see their own players. And sometimes you're blinded by your own guys because you see them on a daily basis, but it's not always the case. And so that was probably the number one thing that I noticed was just, man, I thought these guys might have been worth a little bit more um, when it came time to make a deal. And so I understand the frustration that some Blazers fans were feeling, especially after the first deal. But then it started to pick up a little steam. You yeah. started to see some momentum and the vision, the, the path that Cronin and company were starting to build was taking shape, um, especially with the McCollum deal. Yeah, like you want to see a star come back right away. That makes the most sense. Um, it's tougher to tear down everything and have an empty lot and you're selling people on your vision for what your new home is going to look like without actually getting the pieces there. Right. That's tough. Yeah. So to, to hear and see the outrage on Blazers Twitter and from other fans, like, I hear you, I get it. If you want to go that way and you're upset at Cronin and you don't like what's happening, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Like, you had your eight consecutive playoff appearances. It's going to be tough to suck. And you might suck for a while. Yep. yep. So I, I understand that, especially this year. Like, they are headed for the lottery and – they have an opportunity to really have some great odds at securing one of those gems yes. in this draft. And that's what I'm looking at now is really the, the, the things that they're coveting are those draft picks and those first-round draft picks that they have. Uh, and so right now it's patience. <laughs> they're asking you to let's see this thing through first. But I get it. If, if you want to be mad at not getting much in return for Norman Powell on the surface, that's cool. But just know that Joe Cronin wasn't the guy that used almost the entire salary cap to on three six three guards to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you also know that Norman Powell is a, is a good player. Mm -hmm. He's not a great player. He's a good player, and he is, I think he's properly compensated right now. Mm -hmm. But Neil O'Shea signed him to a five-year deal. You don't see five-year deals in the NBA very often. And so those, the last two years of that deal made him a less valuable trade asset. Because if he was on like a three-year contract, then I think you, you definitely get a lot more value. But considering he had another fourth year on top of that, and then a fifth year, both paying him about $20 million, that's a lot for a team to commit to. And there just weren't a lot of teams out there that wanted to commit to that many years of Norman Powell as much as they like Norman Powell right now. Mm -hmm. And so you have to consider the salary and how that affects someone's trade value. Right. The value of these contracts, right. the amount of years that are on them, and the salary cap altogether um, was super enlightening this time around yeah. to see how the rest of the league really valued all of that stuff together because clearly that is very important. And even Joe Cronin mentioned that um, in his press conference on Thursday at the team's practice facility. By the way, if you haven't heard it, we got it on the previous podcast. Listen to it. It's there in its entirety. And I'd love to hear what you guys think about it as well. Hit up Jared and I on, on Twitter. Let us know what your reaction is after you listen to that one as well. But even Joe Cronin had mentioned how other teams were using that against them, right. being at the table, and clearly the Blazers were fed up with that being part of them trying to get a deal done is that teams were able to offer less or offer, you know, not true value on something because they knew that the Blazers were backed into a corner. 
And they were tired of that. And they said, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to go in. We're going to have all the tools necessary to be able to get a deal done from multiple directions. And that's the first part of all of this. Yep. Now, there's also the disappointing part on trade deadline day where you're thinking, let's go out and let's, let's, we, we've created space. We've got money to play with now. Let's go get us somebody an immediate piece where we say, oh, I see what they're doing. It's obvious now. Uh, let's check in with the Pistons. Let's check in with <laughs> Philadelphia. Let's, let's get that three and D. Let's get us a four. Um, we're cooking now. And it didn't happen. They struck out uh, in terms of trying to get that big piece right away. And so that's where the patience comes in. Yep. That's where they've got to do something uh, to prove it. You know, And the rest of the league did not – do the Blazers any favors <laughs> during the trade deadline, Jared? Blockbuster deal uh, on trade deadline day. James Harden, Ben Simmons, the swap. The Eastern <laughs> Conference is loaded. Everyone's pumped up to see these teams in the playoffs. But how did that impact the Trailblazers? Yeah, outside of how it impacted the Trailblazers, I, as an NBA fan, I loved that trade. It was dope. There's so many interesting storylines yeah. that, that come out of just that one trade. Yeah. I can't wait to see how it affects the, the Nets and how Embiid and Harden gel together, how that works. It's, it's going to be fascinating. But I think, I, I, I think that Joe Cronin and the Blazers, their plan A was 100% Ben Simmons. And you saw that information get out there. Sam Amick had the report in The Athletic about – what the 76ers plan was going to be because they wanted James Harden. Mm-hmm. The 76ers right now were, they were not interested in anything the Blazers were offering to get Ben Simmons. They wanted James Harden. And so they were like, if this trade does not happen right now, then we're going to sign James Harden as a free agent. Harden's going to opt out, you know, this summer and we're going to sign, sign him as a free agent. <laughs> How do you do that? If you're the Sixers and you have all these big salaries, well, that's where a team like the Blazers would come into play. The 76ers would be looking to deal Ben Simmons to a team that could absorb his salary. He makes $33 million next season. So you'd have to have a team that is that far underneath the cap so they could take Ben Simmons into, onto their team without having to send any salary back so that the Sixers wipe that salary completely off their books. And then the Blazers had put themselves in a really good position to, because there were going to be several teams that could do that, not just the Blazers. But now they have the potential of two lottery picks this summer that if other teams were like, okay, we'll take Ben Simmons in. Here's how we're going to sweeten the pot for you. We'll give you this or this. Those two lottery picks were going to make the Blazers very hard to beat. Mm -hmm. Ben Simmons was going to be a Blazer if that trade didn't happen on trade deadline day. But then Harden blew the whole thing up. Mm. Because on trade deadline morning, you saw the reports come out from everyone's favorite NBA reporters, Woj and Shams, and everybody were reporting that James Harden wanted to ask the Nets to trade him to the Sixers, but he was afraid of the public backlash if he left another team like he did with the Rockets. <laughs> now, nobody cared about James Harden. Mm-hmm. Outside of his loyal fan base, all other NBA fans don't like James Harden. So the whole public backla- backlash thing was nonsense anyway. <laughs> but what that did is it allowed... It, it put the pressure on the Nets. Right. They can't come back from that. Mm-hmm. James Harden can't come back to the Nets after something like that breaks. Mm-hmm. There's no way that information got out without James Harden giving it his stamp of approval. So he, he forced the Nets' hand. So the Nets had to trade him to the 76ers. And because that happened, 
plan A, Joe Cronin, you saw what he was doing. He was making it possible so that the Blazers could clear $35 million in cap room, exactly the amount they needed to take Ben Simmons into cap room this summer. That was plan A, and James Harden blew it way out of the water. So, Blazers fans, if you didn't already hate James Harden, you can hate him even more now because (laughs) if you wanted Ben Simmons, he's the reason – Ben Simmons isn't a blazer. What a punch in the gut. <laughs> Truly. I mean, we talked about this before the pod, and it was like, dude, even Vegas yeah. odds makers <laughs> had the Blazers as the favorite to land Ben Simmons. Yep. Like the home run, the grand slam for the Portland Trail Blazers roster to pair alongside Damian Lillard. You got the guy that can defend one through four or even one through five. Yep. That was the dude. So to see that plan not play out, oh. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, to, to, to be uh, in the Blazers' front office and sit there and see that trade go down on the day. You were so close to escaping till the end of the year. Oh. Because, it, yeah, it was not a sure thing that that trade was going to happen. And James Harden played it expertly because that's the way he operates. And he forced... He forced the hand of the Nets, just like he forced the hand of the Rockets. The last time he did it, he did it by loafing on the court and having a bad attitude and making it so untenable to keep him in Houston that they had to trade him. And this time he did it by appealing to the masses. Oh, I'm so I'm so afraid that people are going to be mad at me. Harden is elite <laughs> at getting out of town <laughs> and going wherever he wants. Yep. I mean, it is incredible, and he is an example of what can be done. When you, when you have a big contract, you got a big star, and you're wondering how you get him out of town. He's got the blueprint right there, folks. But that is just a, a total buzzkill for the trailblazers who, and this is part of the deal. It may not work out, but you got to be in position because the, the worst thing that could have happened would have been Simmons – is still there, and you didn't do enough right. to get him. Right. And to hear maybe he was open to the idea yeah. of playing with Damian Lillard. So you move on. And Cronin made – he did everything he needed to to be in position to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, then it's on to plan B. And who was plan B? Jeremy Grant. Yep. But what the Blazers were anticipating might happen, hoping would happen, is that as it got closer to – Noon, mm-hmm. the trade deadline, that the Pistons would back off of their asking price of two first-round picks. Because mm-hmm. the Blazers didn't have two first-round picks. Right now, they had one that they could offer, mm-hmm. the pick they got from the Pelicans. They can't offer any of their picks because they're all tied up through like 2027 <laughs> because of that Larry Nance trade. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Neil O'Shea. <laughs> so they were hoping that the Pistons would come down on their asking price. I think that they would have put that Pelicans pick into a trade if – if the Pelicans had come down and just said, okay, one first-round pick, maybe a couple seconds. But the Pistons never did. Mm-hmm. They never budged. And so I think you give credit to Joe Cronin mm. for recognizing that, guess what? That possibility, Jeremy Grant is still going to be available mm-hmm. in the summer. You don't have to, you know, imagine if the Blazers had been able to put those two first-round picks in. That's too much for Jeremy Grant. Right. That's too much. They so, didn't overpay. Yeah. And they didn't panic. Right. So have a plan. Stick to it. Don't overreact. Don't, you know, sign a player who should only be signed to a three-year contract to a five-year contract. 
don't you know sign an extension for one of your star shooting guards when he doesn't need that extension. Those are the kind of things that Neil O'Shea did that got this this roster into trouble, got this team into trouble where they were stuck, they were trapped. And Joe Cronin has a plan, and he sticks to it, and he doesn't overreact. Yeah, they and that's awesome. Didn't ruin what they just created, right? By going all in on Jeremy Grant. Like, I'm a fan. I, I want him on the team. I like Jeremy Grant too. I know a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people. There are certainly people out there. Our good friends, Nate Hansen and Max Barr, <laughs> we still text with them all the time. I know neither of them are mm-hmm. interested or excited about Jeremy Grant, mm-hmm. but I think that he is a great fit. What is the one position that the Blazers have not been able to mm-hmm. fill adequately since LaMarcus Aldridge left? It's power forward. That's the position Jeremy Grant plays. What is What does Chauncey Billups want to do? He wants you know, strong defenders with length who can – who can switch and guard out on the perimeter and guard inside. Jeremy Grant's a fantastic defensive player at the four, and he's shown enough offense in Detroit to be a viable second or third option on offense Mm -hmm. to Damian Lillard, whereas he could really help improve the Blazers' defense because he's still a fantastic defensive player. So I like Jeremy Grant. Mm -hmm. I get if you don't. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's not super efficient. I mean, he definitely has flaws, but I think that he'd be a great fit next to Damian Lillard. Right. And so here we are. The, you look at the roster now. It's pretty rough. Um, it's yeah. lopsided. There's too many guards. Um, one of the worst rosters in the NBA, as you mentioned. Probably the worst roster in the NBA. Um, so we look at Joe Cronin's plan here. What do you, what do you think about it, Jared, the, the direction that they're going? Because, you know, he mentioned at the press conference, look, we, we don't want to play that style of basketball anymore. Um, we were backed into a corner. We had to do all of these things to get here. And as you mentioned, now the hard part begins. And that's building players around Damian Lillard and to do it quickly because they've reached kind of a, a crossroads um, eventually after this season um, in terms of full blow up versus building around Damian Lillard. Absolutely. So what do you think about his plan overall? What you took away from that press conference um, that they did? I mean, I I think it's a bold plan. I don't think you're guaranteed success. Mm -hmm. I think if, I mean, for one thing, please, if you don't understand that clearing all this cap space is not about free agency, please understand that it is not about free agency. Mm Mm-hmm. The Blazers aren't going to try and go make a move. I mean, this isn't a very strong free agent class to begin with. The The best players in, in free agency, you know, DeAndre Ayton, you know, Miles Bridges, they are restricted free agents. So you're not even guaranteed you throw a max deal at them. You're not even guaranteed that their current team doesn't match that. That's not the Blazers' plan. They have this cap space for flexibility. If a superstar player, a disgruntled superstar, comes available, the Blazers, for the first time in years have the flexibility and the assets to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And so now it's interesting too, because it's not just Cronin's plan. I think a lot of this now falls on Dame. Dame has to recruit Mm -hmm. and persuade in ways that he has never, ever done in his career. Or has not been good at. Right. I mean, they couldn't even get Mello here. (laughs) Exactly. They had to wait till Mello ran out of options and was out of the league before convincing him to get here. Yeah. So, Maybe he can't do it. 
You know, maybe that's just not something Dame's good at. I mean, it, it's definitely not a sure thing. We don't know if superstars are going to become available, and then we don't know if that happens, if Dame is going to be able to convince them to listen. Portland is better than you hear and w- that, than you think. Mm-hmm. Come play with me. We're going to build up a good roster. We're going to contend. Whether Dame can accomplish that, you know, I don't know. But if he can, then the Blazers at, at least have put them in a, themselves in a position to, to then make it happen. That's just one of the avenues, right? I mean, historically, we know the Blazers have sucked at getting free agents here yep. that are, you know, game-changing exactly. stars. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. We understand that. The front office understands that. Neil Olshay made that clear over and over and over again. Yep. We, we, we all get that. But you got to be in position to be able to do that in case that does happen, that lightning does strike. Right. You're ready for that. But the flexibility and freedom to do it in other ways where you're not just hoping that you can recruit a guy, but you can force a guy through trade to get to Portland. And then he gets here and realizes, oh, I like it. This works for me. I fit here. I like playing with Damian Lillard. Whatever it is that they like, that that uh, free agent or person you're trading for likes, that's where, that's where they're at right now. And, yes, this could blow up in their face. Like, this could end really bad. And <laughs> you see the roster that you're, you're stuck with or whatever it ends up being. But I don't even – I think that's even a stretch that it could end really bad. Mm-hmm. I mean, if your only objective is that Dame has to win a championship, mm-hmm. then, yes, it could end badly. But, like, very few NBA teams win championships. I'm 44 years old. I've been a Blazers fan for as long as long as I can remember, and the Blazers have never won a championship in my lifetime. I missed the championship season by, you know, one year. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes, shoot for that. Absolutely, 100%. But don't have unrealistic expectations that that is the be-all, end-all. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still build a really good roster around Damian Lillard and then just hope that lightning strikes. Yeah. And that's a, that's a perfectly fine way to be. And so I think that even if a superstar, and who knows what superstars are going to become available. We didn't know that DeMontis Sabonis, like a month ago, we didn't know that he was going to be available in trade. We didn't know that. Happens all the time. We didn't know that James Harden was unhappy in Brooklyn was going to, you know, demand to be traded. He can't stand Sage around his locker. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. You just don't know. I mean, who's going to come available this summer? I don't know. Maybe it's Jalen Brown. Maybe the Celtics and all the problems they're having, maybe they, you know, lose in the first round or the second round of the playoffs again, and he's like, I want out. Yeah. And, and Dame's on the phone with them and talking to him, and, and that becomes a possibility. <laughs> the playoffs make dreams come yes. true, but they also break yes. up teams. Exactly. And so a team is going to fall flat in the playoffs, and they're going to want to blow it up. Yep. They're going to want to make deals. And they got Joe Cronin's phone number. Like, <laughs> yep. he's going to be right there to help you get over this breakup. So that's that's where the trailblazers are with all of this. And I know that – I know a lot of people don't want to talk about it. Damian Lillard got pissed off when uh, Jason Quick brought this up. Yeah. But is there a chance that the Blazers could get to that point where they say, you know what, we're not going to be able to be a contender and build around Damian Lillard? Do we trade him away? There's a chance. I mean, I think that Joe Cronin is not the general manager yet. He's still the interim general manager. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Blazers say they're still going to go through a full-scale search. I mean, there's a possibility that Joe Cronin 
is not willing to trade Damian Lillard and the ownership is going to do this search and bring in a general manager whose objective is that to trade mm-hmm. Damian Lillard. I don't know. I mean, that's not, nobody knows that at this point, but that could happen. Another thing is, you know, if they don't get a superstar, if we're halfway through the season next year, you know, it's a, you know, good, but young, interesting, but not very good roster. The Blazers are 500 or so. Then maybe at that point, Damian Lillard is like, yes, I've done everything I can for Portland. It's time to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is absolutely 100% still a possibility. And, you know, we were talking about this before the podcast, and you kind of mentioned it. James Harden provided the blueprint. Mm-hmm. The whole appealing to the masses thing doesn't work for James Harden because nobody likes him. Mm-hmm. But people love Damian Lillard. And if he allows, you know, a year from now, trade deadline morning, next year things aren't working out, Dame wants out, and he allows that information to get out there. Chris Haynes comes out with a tweet that Damian Lillard wants to ask the Blazers to trade him, but he's afraid of disappointing his fans in Portland. He's afraid of the public backlash. Mm-hmm. People are going to rally behind Damian Lillard, and that will face and that will force the Blazers' hand, and they and then they they be forced to trade him. Mm-hmm. So yes, it could absolutely happen. Um, that's not, you know, he. There's no guarantee that he's going to be here the rest of his career. But what the Blazers have to do and what Joe Cronin has done and what I think they'll do this summer is he's not making any kind of move Mm -hmm. that jeopardizes the ability to pivot quickly to a full-scale rebuild if it comes to the point where Damian Lillard is going to be traded. And so I don't think that unless a superstar player becomes available, Mm -hmm. I don't think this summer you're going to see any long-term contracts. I don't think you're going to see them um, put – those really valuable potential lottery picks that they have this summer in trades, unless it's for a superstar, Mm -hmm. because then you draft really good young players who are going to be part of the core that if Damian Lillard leaves, then, you know, along with Anthony Simons and Nasir Little, that that's, you know, the next team Blazers team going forward. So I think that this whole like creating flexibility, I think that the, as if, if Cronin is the general manager, then I think that he's going to preserve that flexibility, maintain that flexibility, unless it's for a superstar. But for just, you know, a good player, mm-hmm. I don't think that you're not going to jeopardize that flexibility. And I, that's just my opinion. I think it's educated opinion, mm-hmm. but I think that's that he's not going to long-term money. That's not going to be a thing that happens unless it's for a superstar. Right. And listening to the press conference Thursday, I believe it was Aaron Fentress who asked about how they've created this flexibility from the standpoint of, yes, you've, you've created this path, but there's also the ability to take an exit along right. this highway. And that exit could be um, making a deal for, for Damian Lillard if this all doesn't go well. And Cronin didn't really address that part of the question. And it was more about building around Dame. But what he did say is how they've been in constant communication with Damian Lillard. And so Dame has known about this vision, what the plan is. And I wouldn't be surprised if Dame has a say in it. I don't know if he would have veto power, but I do think he is heavily involved in whatever they decide to do with these changes. He knew about CJ way ahead of time. CJ knew about CJ way ahead of time to the point that they were bouncing teams off of each right. other. They were discussing what would be 
a great spot for CJ, who they felt they owed it to after, you know, having a top 10, top 15 blazer of all time. Yeah. Type of career here. For sure. Yeah. And so I did like that, that along this road, they've built some transparency with what they're doing. So if we do get to a point next year, because Dame's clock is ticking, his, his prime, that's been a theme of this podcast for as long as I can remember. The next time he plays, mm-hmm. he's going to be 32 years old. Mm-hmm. Like, he is at the tail end of his prime now. Like, now's the moment. And I can't believe that Damian Lillard wants to, you know, finish his career without a real chance at winning a championship. And right. if it's in Portland, that's his preference. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, I still think it's 100%, you know, in the cards that he asks to be traded one way or another, whether it's kind of through the, the, the Harden way mm-hmm. or, you know, just having a, a, an honest conversation with Joe Cronin saying, listen, mm-hmm. this is, it's time. Yep, yep. And so I think that's where the urgency is to get something done this summer. Right. And why – and he and Cronin mentioned this, that they're going to be aggressive. Yeah in trying to get something done, and they're not going to run away from stuff because they can't. That, that uh, you know, path becomes a dead end if they can't bring a star here to pair with Damian Lillard. Like, Dame has to see significant progress soon. Yep. And props to Dame for being like, all right, let's, let's do this. I'm in on this plan. But if we're not any better or if we're in that same place – I'm wasting time, and I want a championship. That, that means a lot to me now in, in my career. And so as much as the front office wants to, you know, temper expectations and say, look, this is going to take us a little bit of time. We want to do this and that. Here's our vision. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way. At the same time, they're putting their chips in, and they're going for it. So that's why they're not in full rebuild mode where you get rid of Dame and you bring back as many draft picks as you can and just completely start over because they believe that they can build around Damian Lillard right now and still have the opportunity to make another run um, and at least be in the conversation for a championship. Yeah, I I think they 100% believe that if a superstar becomes available, Mm -hmm. that they are going to be able to go get him. Right. Both with Dame, you know, even before if Dame was able to, was was going to recruit, it it was hard to recruit a superstar to come to the Blazers. Right. Because you, you had CJ and you had all these other pieces and a superstar could look at that and be like, where do I fit in? But now it's like, I fit next to Dame. That's all that, there's nothing else on the roster. I mean, Anthony Simon's absolutely 100%. He's the future. But a superstar will look at it and be like, I'm going to go join Dame and then the rest of the team's going to be built around us. And so I think that can, that that conversation can be much much more convincing now. But I think what's smart and I really don't think that any big moves are made unless it's a superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, you know, they could – I don't consider Jeremy Grant a superstar. No. I think that's a – you know, that, I mean, you look at Jeremy Grant. When does his contract end? After next season. So that fits into that whole equation that if that didn't work out and Dame asked out, then, you know, you're not tied to Jeremy Grant. But if, you, if he's your third guy, what do you think of that? Yes, absolutely. That would be great. Yep. And even if they, like – weren't able to get a superstar and they, they ended up getting Jeremy Grant in the summer, then that's fine, mm-hmm. you know, because cause maybe things just gel and the team is much better than you think. But I think that they're they're going to keep these two 
possible paths open. Mm -hmm. That if they go down this road and they're able to get a superstar to pair with Dame and the Blazers are a much better team, that's a, that's a great path. But I don't think that it's going to blow up in their face as long as they keep this other mm -hmm. path open. That if Dame asks out, if that part, if that, if plan A doesn't work mm -hmm. and they have to transition, then you've got Anthony Simons. You have Nasir Little. You have, listen, Keon Johnson is an interesting player. I know he hasn't shown much so far in his rookie season, but this dude, like, he was, he slipped because people were concerned about his shot. And that's fine. He's not a very good shooter. Uh, he's much, right now, he projects as a, an, an, a great defensive player and his offense is very raw mm -hmm. has a long way to go, but he was a projected like top 10 pick, mm -hmm. you know, around the time of the NBA draft combine, you know, he was, it, it reminds me of Nasir little. Mm -hmm. He was a projected top 10 pick, mm -hmm. you know, in the week leading up to the draft, he slipped to the blazers and they, they got him and, and you see what he is becoming now. So I like Keon Johnson. They have these two first round picks. I mean, e I mean, Hopefully the Blazers are able to get some lottery luck and get one of these top three, top four picks. Mm -hmm. But even if they don't, you know, you get a top five, top six, top seven pick. That's a really interesting, good young player to build around. You get another lottery pick from the Pelicans, which I think is more realistic than not that that pick is going to convey this year. That's another lottery pick. You have all this cap space. You have flexibility. That's an interesting, fun, you know, Following a rebuild with, with interesting, good young players and watching them develop, that's a really fun way to be a fan as well. And so I think they have – I don't think this is going to blow up in Cronin's face because mm. he's given it the flexibility to be awesome if they get a superstar with Dame and to be fun and sustainable and able to build on itself if they have to pivot away from Dame and go to a full rebuild. See, look, folks, Jared is giving you optimism here. <laughs> We also learned that you should hate James Harden as a Blazers fan, <laughs> and you're rooting for the Pelicans to suck. It seems like a, a very simple recipe here that we've provided for you guys to, to cook with. Um, Jared, do any of the new players that the Blazers have acquired excite you? You know, Josh Hart. I know that I think a lot of people wanted to see the Eric Bledsoe deal be dealt. Yeah. Um, and that didn't happen. That seems like a, a, a popular disappointment. Yeah. Um, your overall thoughts, are, are there guys that stand out to you? I know you mentioned Keon already. Yeah, I like Keon Johnson just because he's interesting as a young player. Mm -hmm. And also because of the player or the Blazers' player development system. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've proven that. I mean, they've been good for years of that, and they're still good. I mean, you look at the improvement. I, I thought last season and even early this season that C.J. Ellaby was not going to be an NBA player, mm -hmm. that he wasn't going to make it past his rookie contract. That was a popular opinion, man, yeah. for real. And I think that, like, listen, at best right now, I mean, he's on a good team. He's like a late rotation player, like mm -hmm. a deep rotation player. But he's shown so much improvement. Mm -hmm. And you've seen that. I mean, look at the development of, of Anthony Simons. Look at the development of Nasir Little. The Blazers know how to develop young players. So mm -hmm. I'm really interested in a player like Keon Johnson who – is listen his defense is awesome already just as a rookie and so interested to see him develop but Josh Hart you know he's he's a player who depending on whether a superstar comes to Portland you know who knows if Josh Hart will still be here I mean uh, there's so many things that are up in the air but I think Josh Hart could be a starter for the Blazers going forward I think he could start at small forward and if not he could certainly play be their six man he can play the two the three and the four I think that Justice Winslow, he, I think he's showing that he could be a deep rotation player. Mm -hmm. you 
know, if he's your eighth or ninth guy off the bench next year, I think he could be a good, you know, a good backup four. Um, the young guys are all intriguing. Who knows? You know, player development, you know, they're, I think that unless they're used in trades, you know, I think that they'll all be here next season. Um, Elijah Hughes, I think is in a final year of his rookie deal. So who knows if he comes back, but they're intriguing. And I think Joe Ingles, if depending on what else happens with the roster, he's an intriguing possibility. I want to totally shut the door on him coming back to Portland next season. I also think he might go back to Utah next season, Mm -hmm. but Joe Ingles is, you know, he's older, he's 34. So he'd be, you know, an older veteran, but he's a nice three and D player. I mean, I've always liked Joe Ingles. So I, I wouldn't totally shut the door on that. I mean, I think they got some interesting players in these deals. So, Jared, what uh, excites you about the rest of the year? Is it as simple as tanking, lose early, lose often? Yeah, the tank is fun. Yeah. You know, you still watch the standings. Portland has the eighth worst record in the NBA right now. They're only a game and a half ahead of the Kings and the Spurs who are right behind them. Right. So you keep an eye on those two teams. You, you, You scoreboard watch, and you root for both of those teams to just win. Um, they're only three games ahead of the the Pacers, four games ahead of the Thunder. There's a possibility that the Blazers could get to where they have the fourth or fifth worst record in the league and give themselves a real good Man. percentage chance at getting one of those top four picks. And I think that you can start watching college basketball now. Watch Duke games, Paolo ben- Banchero, A.J. Griffin, watch Memphis, Jalen Duran. Watch Gonzaga, Chet Holmgren. Watch Auburn, Javari Smith. Watch <laughs> Iowa, Keegan Murray. I mean, these are all players that could be future next season. Trailblazers. Watching college basketball. Yeah, you can root against the Pelicans. The Pelicans are eleven games under five hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, they're three and a half games back of the ninth place Lakers, four games back of eighth, and seven games back of seventh. They're, it's going to be hard for them to move up, and so they have the eighth hardest remaining schedule in the NBA this season. Mm. Root for them to lose, not lose all their games because you don't want them to get one of those top four picks. Right. That would be such a disaster, it. wouldn't it? Horrible. The Blazers like drop out of that and the Pelicans get in and you're yeah, that that would be the worst of both worlds. But you root for the Pelicans to lose. I think that there's a lot to still be interested in this season. You know, this is just because the Blazers are bad doesn't mean there isn't anything there aren't things to be interested in what happens the rest of the season and then looking forward to the summer. I got to say, that Lakers game was a lot of fun to watch. It was fun. I mean, not even – I think you found joy in watching that game if you were a non-Blazers fan. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're a Lakers hater, obviously. Right. <laughs> and if you're a Lakers fan, you hated you every hated second. It. Yeah. But generally speaking – some of the comments from, like, James Worthy. <laughs> my goodness, when Magic Johnson – YMCA team. Woof! I saw – yeah, I mean, Lakers Twitter was on oh, fire. Man. <laughs> uh, but that game was super entertaining. That was the most excited I can remember Damian Lillard being yeah. <laughs> in a very long time. Seeing his cousin hit pivotal three-pointers oh, yeah. in that game. Kelton Blevins coming through for the Blazers. And the one- Kelton Blevins game. <laughs> yes, that's that's how we'll remember that one. And uh, seeing Anthony do Anthony stuff. That was That was the whole thing for me. Once he gets going, man, yeah. it's too late. Because he for, was, what, two for 10, two for 9, yeah, two for 11 had, in the first half. 25 like of his 29 came in the second yeah. half. And, yeah, that was awesome to watch. And and also the way that he made plays, hit shots down the stretch. Mm. Um, man, I I was I, – I said I, – I doubted Anthony Simons early in his career, mm-hmm. and he is proving me wrong, and I love it. I love 
uh, the sky is the limit for this kid. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I really love Anthony Simons, and that was awesome to see the way that he really carried them to that victory. Yeah, he's continued to develop, as you mentioned, and has gotten better every year. And what has also impressed me is the way he's been able to navigate through a roster loaded with guards. Yeah. And still was able to carve out um, his own playing time to work his way through, not give up on the process that was going on, to be discouraged by what was going on around him, um, to use Damian Lillard as his big brother to really learn from. It's it's all helped him out. Clearly the hard work is paying off. And Chauncey Billups recognized that pretty early on with what he had yeah. and his potential. And Chauncey he empowered him. Yes, empowered him. That is the, the perfect word to use. And I think he's doing that right now with a lot of the younger guys. Yeah. And the value in these games as we're watching them, um, there's a lot to be said for those younger guys that are getting those opportunities now. And what they do with these final 20, 25 games, whatever it is, uh, to work with. That's super dope. Yeah. It's and, fun to watch. Yeah. So I, I think there are opportunities there. You know the ultimate goal is to lose. You, you want to lose and improve those odds. but um, Have it be a fun game. Yeah. Th- a loss. There's a chance to be entertained by this team. So that'll be fun, too. And, you know, Greg Brown the third man. My yeah. goodness. He, you notice him on the court. Dude. Every second he's on the court, you can't take your eyes off him. I mean, totally. he's, he's very raw and yeah. makes a lot of mistakes out on the court, but man, he's mm. fun to watch. Potential is there for him as well. Yep. Um, I think we've touched on just about everything we wanted to, but mm-hmm. I did. I wanted to ask you a question before we finish. Are you concerned at all about the plan to move forward with Dame and Ant as the backcourt of the future, considering we're once again, I mean, I know that Ant might be 6'4", mm-hmm. listed as 6'3", but there's been information out there that he's actually six four and he certainly has a you know a six nine wingspan whereas CJ was six five, six six. So there is a little bit of difference there. But Ant has not been a good defender to this point in his career. So as you know, two six three guards, are we going down the same road again? What what are your thoughts on that? That's fair, man. And I might get roasted for this. I was probably a believer for too long in the Dame C J pairing. But I truly believe it's who you surround them with. Yeah. So your three can't also be 6'3". Let's start there. <laughs> uh, so to answer your question in short, yes, I do believe it, it can work. And, you know, the way this looks now, Anthony is the heir apparent. Like, right. You are, you are grooming Anthony. Dame is passing the torch to Anthony yeah. when it's all said and done. He is the point guard of the future for the Blazers, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. And so with those two together, I mean, you have buckets. The same way you did with Damon CJ. Right. But uh, what Anthony is able to do now is, like, I'm truly, I'm waiting for that 50-point game now. Yeah. Uh, that, that's, like, the next thing to check off the box, you know. It's like, is he going to do it this year? Is he going to get us 50? Get it done, Ant. <laughs> yeah, get it done. So, yes, I do think that it can happen, but – you got to surround yourself with size and length. Guys that defend, premier yeah. defenders. Ben Simmons would have been great. Would would have been great. Jeremy Grant. Jeremy would be, Jeremy would be Grant nice would be another guy. So plan, yeah. that has to be the priority is to is to cover that position of need. And if you can get two or three of those guys, I think you're you're right there. Um and you cover those needs. How about you? 
I agree with you. I think the most important thing is who they put on the court with those two. Um, but I also think that I do think that Ant he certainly has more length mm-hmm. than CJ did. He's certainly more athletic than CJ was. And if you look at his defensive box score plus minus metrics, he has improved defensively each season. And so I think there's a realistic scenario where he becomes a serviceable or even good defensive player. Mm-hmm. Where I don't know if I mean, there were times where CJ's defensive box score plus minus was good. Um, But I do think Ant can be a better defensive option at the two than CJ was. It's not perfect. It's not ideal. Mm -hmm. And that's why why they absolutely have to put, you know, long, really good defensive players around those those two. Mm -hmm. But I think that I think it I think they can make it work. Mm hmm. So, yeah, I, I, I can totally see a scenario where we are going to get roasted on this in a couple <laughs> of years when we say, look, it's the same thing over and over again. Look, you were complaining about what Olshay was doing, and now here you are again supporting the same idea. So that'll yeah. be fun to keep the receipts on. It's okay to change your mind when you're presented with new information, <laughs> yeah, man. Right. So, you know, we totally went uh, a little bit longer on this podcast, but I wanted to spend the last minute or two um, giving a salute to the bucket, the king of the mid-range. Crafty, Christian James McCollum, uh, you know, one of the Blazers' all-time greats here, man, uh, who was able to do a lot in nine seasons, um, really took off in seven, you know, seasons. Uh, most improved player in the NBA will finish as a top five scorer yeah. in Blazers' history, second on three-point uh, makes and attempts only behind Damian Lillard, top 10 in assists, field goal percentage, you name it. Um, he's he's done a lot, and his name is peppered all over the Trailblazers record books. So I wanted to ask you, Jared, when you think about C.J. McCollum's time here as a Trailblazer, what comes to mind? Oh, for sure, the, the Western Conference Finals playoff run. I mean, obviously – the second round series against the Nuggets. But if you look back to the OKC series, I mean, Dame got all the headlines, rightfully so. But CJ was a very impressive number two in that series. And if you go back and look at his stats in that series, he was he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. And they needed that. They needed Dame and CJ to be at the top of their games to beat that OKC team. I mean, if you, you go back and, and look at that, you remember OKC beat them all four games in the regular season. OKC, you know, we make fun of that team now because it was Russ and Paul George, and it kind of blew up in their faces. Right. But that was a really good team going into that series, and nobody expected Portland to win. And they needed peak he was so good and peak CJ in that series for that to happen. And then the Denver series, CJ was everything, um, all the way up to Game 7, where he single-handedly carried <laughs> the Blazers to the Western Conference Finals for the first time in two decades. He was amazing in that game, 37 points, just hitting, you know, clutch shots down the stretch, that block. <laughs> the chase down block, oh my man. gosh. And Blazers fans are going to love C.J. McCollum forever. Mm-hmm. And I hope that C.J. McCollum loves Blazers fans forever because, listen, I know a lot of Blazers fans wanted him to be traded, but it wasn't because of C.J. McCollum. It was because of just this team and that it had run its course. And – that has nothing to do with how Blazers fans felt about C.J. McCollum as a player or a person. you know. I, and I think that one thing about C.J. That, that I loved is that he was so much more than just a basketball player. Mm-hmm. You know, everything he was, you know, he's the 
he's the president of the players <laughs> association in, in the NBA. I mean, that's amazing. He, he's an advocate for, for important causes. You know, he, <laughs> he bought a win, a vineyard. In yeah. Oregon. Like, How cool is that? Right. You know, uh, he, he's a dad, you mm-hmm. know, he's, uh, I mean, CJ McCollum is just a really impressive human being and Blazers fans are, they're going to love him forever. I mean, every time he comes back to, if Blazers fans don't give him a standing ovation every time he comes back to the Moda Center, then they're then they need to rethink their priorities. Right. CJ McCollum is one of the best we've ever seen, and you know I'll always love him and 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 love the memories that of CJ McCollum playing for the Blazers. He definitely made the most of his time here. Yeah, for sure. And um, when you come across people like that, um, or you know players in this situation, you often reflect on yourself. You know, and you're like, man. I need to start doing stuff like that. You know, he, he inspired in a lot of different ways. And I remember when I first got here now, it's probably been like six years. Um, one of my first times meeting CJ was actually what he was doing in the community hmm. and was working at the boys and girls club. You know, he had pumped a, a lot of money into there and really believed in the, the future generation and his community, the kids that are here in low-income areas that didn't have all the nice things. And he was building, you know, computer rooms and places for these kids to go after school. And I thought that was super dope. Um, And what was cool was, you know, wires often get crossed and you think you're going to an event for something and you're told, we're going to do this event or you're going to get to interview them for five minutes at this time or whatever. And it just went off course. Like the scheduling was so jacked up. I was on deadline, needed to get back to the station. Like it was crazy. And um, he was willing to sit down and I got like a nice long one-on-one sit down with him um, where he was just gracious enough to give me a lot of his time. Um, One, to get to know him and two, to just talk about Portland. And I thought that was really cool. But yeah, being there (laughs) in Denver for game seven, to see the way he silenced that arena yeah. was legend. It was so cool. The, the, the chase down block was wild, but I always remember the, the celebration, dude. And when they walked off the court, we were able to be in the back. And um, you were able to see Jody Allen there hugging each player as they would go into the locker room. From where we were, rooms down the hallway for the – press conference you could hear every word and scream and celebration from inside the (laughs) locker room that was a first for me where you could actually hear everything that was happening in there and um i remembered the joy that that cj had the joy that dame had like just the emotion it was like all that hard work the amount of people who had said it couldn't be done right with those two leading the way and they got to the western conference finals Uh, i think there's a, a a lot of pride uh, that was that was there, and um, that was the moment, you know, to see your second guy really single-handedly get you that far. Um, but there were just there were a lot of really cool CJ moments, and um, as an interview, he's very um, direct and specific, <laughs> yeah. and he will go into the weeds with you. Um, for a writer, that's awesome. For a TV person who <laughs> needs um, a money soundbite that right. is, you know, 15 to 20 seconds, not always. But, man, when he was on, 
he was golden yeah. as an interview when when he was engaged with you gosh there were there were some great just CJ McCullough moments um from him being a killer uh, the shark right <laughs> uh there were just so many that I look back on and I was like gosh he was so good um as as being the the king of a press conference when he wanted to be um and I liked him because he was okay to let you know I'm having a bad day, mm. you know? So you saw the human side of him where you're like, man, you knew how CJ felt. Yeah. Um, so that was really cool. But we're the, the Blazers, I know that had to be a, a tough day, even though everyone knew it was coming. And like you said, Jared, um, it's not really about him being a bad player. No. Because I think everyone wanted him to stay in Portland. But the situation that they had going on, I can only imagine what that conversation was like between him and Dame. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a salute to C.J. McCollum for his time served here in Rip City with the Portland Trailblazers, man. Um, Jared, we, w- we went almost an hour on this pod, but I think it was a lot of fun, and we covered a lot of ground. And it's time to gas up the tank, man, <laughs> because it's time to lose some games and <laughs> – and do this thank you guys so much for rocking with the podcast we appreciate you until next time take care everyone